Section 45 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pam Castile. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 7, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Section 45 When it was the seven hundred and sixty-ninth night, she resumed, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the damsel said to Saif al-Muluk, Then the king of the jinn, after he had acquainted me with his case, embraced me and kissed me, saying, Abide here and fear nothing, whereupon he went away from me for an hour, and presently returned with these tables and carpets and furniture. He comes to me every third, and abideth with me three days, and on Friday, at the time of mid-afternoon prayer, he departeth and is absent till the following third. When he is here, he eateth and drinketh and kisseth and huggeth me, but doth not else with me, and I am a pure virgin, even as Allah Almighty created me. My father's name is Taj al-Muluk, and he wotteth not what is come of me, nor hath he hit upon any trace of me. This is my story. Now tell me thy tale. Answered the prince, my story is a long, and I fear lest while I am telling it to thee the ifrit come. Quoth she, He went out from me but an hour before thy entering, and will not return till third. So sit thee down, and take thine ease, and hearken thy heart, and tell me what hath betided thee from beginning to end. And quoth he, I hear and I obey. So he fell to telling her all that had befallen him, from commencement to conclusion. But when she heard speak of Badi al-Jamal, her eyes ran over with railing tears, and she cried, O oh, Badi al-Jamal, I had not thought this of thee. Alack for our luck! O oh, Badi al-Jamal, dost thou not remember me, nor say, My sister, Dalukatun, whither is she gone? And her weeping redoubled, lamenting for that Badi al-Jamal had forgotten her. Then said Saif al-Muluk, O Daluk Khatun, thou art a mortal, and she is a jinniyah. How then can she be thy sister? Replied the princess, She is my sister by fosterage, and this is how it came about. My mother went out to solace herself in the garden, when labor pangs seized her, and she bare me. Now the mother of Badi al-Jamal chanced to be passing with her guards, when she also was taken with travail pains. So she alighted in a side of the garden, and there brought forth Badi al-Jamal. She dispatched one of her women to seek food and childbirth gear of my mother, who sent her what she sought, and invited her to visit her. So she came to her with Badi al-Jamal, and my mother suckled the child, who with her mother tarried with us in the garden two months, and before wending her ways, the mother of Badi al-Jamal gave my mother somewhat, saying, When thou hast need of me, I will come to thee amiddlemost the garden, and departed to her own land. But she and her daughter used to visit us every year, and abide with us a while before returning home. 
wherefore an i were with my mother o saif al-muluk and if thou wert with me in my own country and badi al-jamal and i were together as of wont i would devise some device with her to bring thee to thy desire of her but i am here and they know naught of me for that and they kenned what is become of me they have power to deliver me from this place however the matter is in allah's hands extolled and exalteth be he and what can i do quoth saif al-muluk rise and let us flee and go whither the almighty willeth but quoth she we cannot do that for by allah though we fled hence a year's journey that accursed would overtake us in an hour and slaughter us then said the prince i will hide myself in his way and when he passeth by i will smite him with the sword and slay him daluk khatun replied thou canst not succeed in slaying him save thou his soul asked he and where is his soul and she answered many a time have i questioned him thereof but he would not tell me till one day i pressed him and he waxed wroth with me and said to me how often wilt thou ask me of my soul what hast thou to do with my soul i rejoined o hatim there remaineth none to me but thou except allah and my life dependeth on thy life and whilst thou livest all is well for me so except i care for thy soul and set it in the apple of this mine eye how shall i live in thine absence and i knew where thy soul abideth i would never cease whilst i live to hold it in mine embrace and would keep it as my right eye whereupon said he to me what time i was born the astrologers predicted that i should lose my soul at the hands of the son of a king of mankind so i took it and set it in the crop of a sparrow and shut up the bird in a box the box i set in a casket and enclosing this in seven other caskets and seven chests laid the whole in an alabastrine coffer which i buried within the marge of yon earth-circling sea for that these parts are far from the world of men and none of them can win hither so now see i have told thee what thou wouldst know and do thou tell none thereof for it is a secret between me and thee and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the seven hundred and seventieth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that when daulat khatun acquainted saif al-muluk with the whereabouts of the soul of the jenny who had carried her off and repeated to him his speech ending with and this is a secret between me and thee i rejoined quoth she to whom shall i tell it seeing that none but thou cometh hither with whom i may talk thereof adding by allah thou hast indeed set thy soul in the strongest of strongholds to which none may gain access how should a man win to it unless the impossible be foreordained and allah decree like as the astrologers predicted thereupon the jinni peradventure one may come having on his finger the seal-ring of solomon son of david on the twain be peace and lay his hand with the ring on the face of the water saying by the virtue of the names engraven upon this ring let the soul of such an one come forth 
whereupon the coffer will rise to the surface and he will break it open and do the like with the chest and caskets till he come to the little box when he will take out the sparrow and strangle it and i shall die then said sahif al-muluk i am the king's son of whom he spake and this is the ring of solomon david's son on my finger so rise let us go down to the seashore and see if his words be leal or leasing thereupon the two walked down to the seashore and the princess stood on the beach whilst the prince waded into the water to his waist and laying his hand with the ring on the surface of the sea said by the virtue of the names and talismans engraven on this ring and by the might of suleiman bid daud on whom be the peace let the soul of hatim the jinni son of the blue king come forth whereat the sea boiled in billows and the coffer of alabaster rose to the surface saif al-muluk took it and shattered it against the rock and broke open the chest and caskets till he came to the little box and drew thereout the sparrow then the twain returned to the castle and sat down on the throne but hardly had they done this when lo and behold there arose a dust-cloud terrifying and some huge thing came flying and crying spare me o king's son and slay me not but make be thy freedman and i will bring thee to thy desire quoth dalut khatun the jinni cometh slay the sparrow lest this accursed enter the palace and take it from thee and slaughter me and slaughter thee after me so the prince wrung the sparrow's neck and it died whereupon the jinni fell down at the palace door and became a heap of black ashes then said dalut khatun we are delivered from the hand of yonder accursed. What shall we do now? And Saif al-Muluk replied, It behoveth us to ask aid of Allah Almighty, who hath afflicted us. Be like he will direct us and help us to escape from this our strait. So saying, he arose, and pulling up half a score of the doors of the palace, which were of sandalwood and lined aloes, with nails of gold and silver, bound them together with ropes of silk and floss silk and fine linen, and wrought of them a raft, which he and the princess aided each other to hail down to the seashore they launched it upon the water till it floated and making it fast to the beach returned to the palace whence they removed all the chargers of gold and saucers of silver and jewels and precious stones and metals and what else was light of load and weighty of worth and freighted the raft therewith then they embarked after fashioning two pieces of wood into the likeness of paddles and casting off the rope moorings let the raft drift out to sea with them committing themselves to allah the most high who contenteth those that put their trust in him and disappointeth not them who rely upon him they ceased not faring on thus four months until their victual was exhausted and their sufferings waxed severe and their souls were straitened so they prayed allah to vouchsafe them deliverance from that danger but all this time when they lay down to sleep saif al-muluk set dalukatun behind him and laid a naked brand at his back so that when he turned in sleep the sword was between them 
at last it chanced one night when saif al-muluk was asleep and dalut khatun awake that behold the raft drifted landwards and entered a port wherein were ships the princess saw the ships and heard a man he being the chief and head of the captains talking with the sailors whereby she knew that this was the port of some city and that they were come to an inhabited country so she joyed with exceeding joy and waking the prince said to him ask the captain the name of the city and harbour thereupon saif al-muluk arose and said to the captain o my brother how is this harbour height and what be the names of yonder city and its king replied the captain o false face o frosty beard and thou knew not the name of this port and city how camest thou hither quoth saif al-muluk i am a stranger and had taken passage in a merchant-ship which was wrecked and sank with all on board but i saved myself on a plank and made my way hither wherefore i ask thee the name of the place and in asking is no offence then said the captain this is the city of amaria and this harbour is called kamin al baran when the princess heard this she rejoiced with exceeding joy and said praised be allah he asked what is to do and she answered o saif al-muluk rejoice in succour near hand for the king of this city is my uncle my father's brother and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the seven hundred and seventy-first night she continued it hath reached me o auspicious king that dalut khatun said to saif al-muluk rejoice in safety near hand for the king of this city is my uncle my father's brother and his name is ali al-muluk adding say thou then to the captain is the sultan of the city ali al-muluk well he asked but the captain was wroth with him and cried thou sayest i am a stranger and never in my life came hither who then told thee the name of the lord of the city when dalut khatun heard this she rejoiced and knew him for muin al-din one of her father's captains now he had fared forth in search of her after she was lost and finding her not he never ceased cruising till he came to her uncle's city then she bade saif al-muluk say to him o captain muin al-din come and speak with thy mistress so he called out to him as she bade whereat he was wroth with exceeding wrath and answered o dog o thief o spy who art thou and how knowest thou me then he said to one of the sailors give me an ash stave that i may go to yonder plaguing arab and break his head so he took the stick and made for saif al-muluk but when he came to the raft he saw something wondrous beauteous which confounded his wits and considering it straightly he made sure that it was dalut khatun sitting there as she were a slice of the moon whereat he said to the prince who is that with thee replied he a damsel by name dalut khatun when the captain heard the princess's name and knew that she was his mistress and the daughter of his king he fell down in a fainting fit and when he came to himself he left the raft and whatso was thereon and riding up to the palace craved an audience of the king whereupon the chamberlain went into the presence and said 
Captain Moin al-Din is come to bring thee good news, so bid he be brought in. The king bade admit him. Accordingly he entered, and kissing ground, said to him, O king, thou owest me a gift for glad tidings, for thy brother's daughter, Dalat Khatun, hath reached our city safe and sound, and is now on a raft in the harbour, in company with a young man like the moon on the night of its full. When the king heard this, he rejoiced, and conferred a costly robe of honour on the captain. Then he straightway bade decorate the city in honour of the safe return of his brother's daughter, and sending for her and Saif al-Muluk, saluted the twain, and gave them joy of their safety, after which he dispatched a messenger to his brother, to let him know that his daughter was found and was with him. As soon as the news reached Taj al-Muluk, he got him ready, and assembling his troops, set out for his brother's capital, where he found his daughter, and they rejoiced with exceeding joy. He sojourned with his brother a week, after which he took his daughter and Saif al-Muluk, and returned to Saramdib, where the princess foregathered with her mother, and they rejoiced at her safe return, and held high festival, and that day was a great day, never was seen its like. As for Saif al-Muluk, the king entreated him with honour, and said to him, O Saif al-Muluk, thou hast done me and my daughter all this good for which I cannot requite thee, nor can any requite thee, save the Lord of the three worlds. But I wish thee to sit upon the throne in my stead, and rule the land of Hind, for I offer thee of my throne and kingdom, and treasures and servants, all this in free gift to thee. Whereupon Saif al-Muluk rose, and kissing the ground before the king, thanked him, and answered, O king of the age, I accept all thou givest me, and return it to thee in freest gift, for I, O king of the age, covet not sovereignty, nor sultanate, nor desire aught but that Allah the Most High bring me to my desire. Rejoined the king, O Saif al-Muluk, these my treasures are at thy disposal. Take of them what thou wilt, without consulting me, and Allah requite thee for me with all weal. Quoth the prince, Allah advance the king. There is no delight for me in money or in dominion, till I win my wish. But now I have a mind to solace myself in the city, and view its thoroughfares and market streets. So the king bade bring him a mare of the thoroughbreds, saddled and bridled, and Saif al-Muluk mounted her, and rode through the streets and markets of the city. As he looked about him right and left, lo, his eyes fell on a young man, who was carrying a tunic, and crying it for sale at fifteen dinars. So he considered him, and saw him to be like his brother Said, and indeed it was his very self— but he was wan of blee, and changed for long strangerhood, and the travails of travel, so that he knew him not. However, he said to his attendants, Take yonder youth, and carry him to the palace where I lodge, and keep him with you till my return from the ride, when I will question him. But they understood him to say, Carry him to the prison, and said in themselves, Haply this is some runaway mamluk of his. So they took him and bore him to the bridewell, where they laid him in irons, and left him seated in solitude, unremembered by any. 
Presently Saif al-Muluk returned to the palace, but he forgot his brother Said, and none made mention of him. So he abode in prison, and when they brought out the prisoners to cut Ashlar from the quarries, they took Said with them, and he wrought with the rest. He abode a month's space in this squalor and sore sorrow, pondering his case and saying in himself, What is the cause of my imprisonment? while saif al-muluk's mind was diverted from him by rejoicing in other things but one day as he sat he bethought him of said and said to his mamluks where is the white slave i gave into your charge on such a day quoth they didst thou not bid us bear him to the bridewell and quoth he nay i said not so i bade you carry him to my palace after the ride then he sent his chamberlains and emirs for Said, and they fetched him in fetters, and loosing him from his irons, set him before the prince, who asked him, O young man, what countryman art thou? And he answered, I am from Egypt, and my name is Said, son of Pharaoh the wazir. Now hearing these words, Saif al-Muluk sprang to his feet, and throwing himself off the throne, and upon his friend, hung on his neck, weeping aloud for very joy, and saying, o my brother o said praise be allah for king asim then they embraced and shed tears together and all who were present marvelled at them after this saif al-muluk bade his people bear said to the hammam bath and they did so when he came out they clad him in costly clothing and carried him back to saif al-muluk who seated him on the throne beside himself when King Taj al-Muluk heard of the reunion of Saif al-Muluk and his brother Said, he joyed with you exceeding and came to them. And the three sat devising of all that had befallen them in the past from first to last. Then said Said, O my brother, O Saif al-Muluk, when the ship sank with all on board, I saved myself on a plank with a company of Mamelukes, and it drifted with us a whole month, when the wind cast us by the ordinance of Allah Almighty upon an island. So we landed, and entering among the trees, took to eating of the fruits, for we were a-hungered. Whilst we were busy eating, there fell on us unawares, folk like ifrits and springing on our shoulders rode us and said to us go on with us for ye are become our asses so i said to him who had mounted me what art thou and why mountest thou me at this he twisted one of his legs about my neck till i was all but dead and beat upon my back the while with the other leg till i thought he had broken my backbone so i fell to the ground on my face having no strength left in me for famine and thirst from my fall he knew that i was hungry and taking me by the hand led me to a tree laden with fruit which was a pear-tree and said to me eat thy fill of this tree so i ate till i had enough and rose to walk against my will but ere i had fared afar the creature turned and leaping on my shoulders again drove me on now walking now running and now trotting and he the while mounted on me laughing and saying never in my life saw i a donkey like unto thee we abode thus for years till one day of the days it chanced that we saw there great plenty of vines covered with ripe fruit so we gathered a quantity of grape bunches and throwing them into a pit trod them with our feet till the pit became a great water-pool 
Then we waited a while, and presently, returning thither, found that the sun had rotten on the grape-juice, and it was become wine. So we used to drink it till we were drunken, and our faces flushed, and we fell to singing and dancing, and running about in the merriment of drunkenness. Whereupon our master said to us, What is it that reddeneth your faces, and maketh you dance and sing? We replied, Ask us not. What is your quest in questioning us hereof? But they insisted, saying, You must tell us, so that we may know the truth of the case, till we told them how we had pressed grapes and made wine. Quoth they, Give us to drink thereof. But quoth we, The grapes are spent. So they brought us to a wadi, whose length we knew not from its breadth, nor its beginning from its end, wherein were vines each bunch of grapes on them, weighing twenty pounds by the scale, and all within easy reach, and they said, Gather of these. So we gathered a mighty great store of grapes, and finding there a big trench, bigger than the great tank in the king's garden, we filled it full of fruit. This we trod with our feet, and did with the juice as before, till it became strong wine, which it did after a month, whereupon we said to them, "'Tis come to perfection, but in what will ye drink it?' And they replied, "'We had asses like unto you, but we ate them, and kept their heads, so give us to drink in their skulls.' We went to their caves, which we found full of heads and bones of the sons of Adam, and we gave them to drink, when they became drunken and lay down, nigh two hundred of them. Then we said to one another, is it not enough that they should ride us, but they must eat us also? There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in Allah the glorious, the great. But we will ply them with wine, till they are overcome by drunkenness, when we will slay them and be at rest from them. Accordingly we awoke them, and fell to filling the skulls, and gave them to drink. But they said, This is bitter. We replied, Why say, yea, tis bitter? Whoso saith thus, except he drink of it ten times, he dieth the same day. When they heard this, they feared death, and cried to us, Give us to drink the whole ten times. So we gave them to drink, and when they swallowed the rest of the ten draughts, they waxed drunken exceedingly, and their strength failed them, and they availed not to mount us. Thereupon we dragged them together by their hands, and laying them one upon another, collected great plenty of dry vine-stalks and branches, and heaped it about and upon them. Then we set fire to the pile, and stood afar off, to see what became of them. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 45 Recording by Pam Castile